Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Roto Experts Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. You can find me on Twitter, at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the podcast, we are going to be digging into the Detroit Lions from a fantasy football perspective. Of course, I would like to ask you to check out rotoexperts.com and our NFL 365 package, where we have the best expert projections, rankings, customizable cheat sheets, premium content, the ultimate guide to zero RB drafting, the ultimate guide to best ball drafting, and much more premium content to help you win your fantasy football league in 2019. Also, NFL 365 subscribers get a discount on Daily Roto's NFL Daily Fantasy Sports Package, making it an even better deal, and you can get 10% off of the NFL 365 package using the promo code MATTEK, M-A-T-T-E-K. Now, let's dig into the Detroit Lions from a fantasy football perspective. Much like the last episode of the show that we did, uh, the Denver Broncos, I do not have a ton of interest in Matthew Stafford from a fantasy football perspective, simply because I think he has a pretty viable floor, but I really do not think that he has a ceiling compared to a lot of the other quarterbacks going around him. I would even say that uh, someone like Andy Dalton has a higher season-long ceiling than him. I would say Marcus Mariota, if he starts running, probably has a better ceiling than Matt Stafford. So Matt Stafford's YPA has been below 6.8 and uh, 7.9 for the last for really his uh, since since 2011, but his pass attempts have decreased each of the last four years: 592, 594, 565, 555. So what's happened over the last four years is the Detroit Lions have somehow decided that they want to be like a like a run first team. They want to they want to ground and pound, and no one can really explain why this is happening. Uh, but the organization hired Matt Patricia, uh, a defensive coach, away from the New England Patriots. They had Jim Bob Cooter as their offensive coordinator last year. That really did not work out, so they hired Daryl Bevel as their offensive coordinator this year. I don't actually think that Daryl Bevel is. Uh, I don't think that he's like some big upgrade on Jim Bob Cooter. I, one of the one of the really bad things about. Um, Jim Bomb Cooter's passing game was that it was just all so flat. The team very rarely took shots. They had a lot of really boring route concepts, and they were it was big on throwing into the flat to Theo Riddick, big and in throwing into the flat uh, to Eric Ebron, to Kenny Galladay, to Marvin Jones. Like it just there were just a lot of short throws, and so it just you know it basically it just led to a lot of uh, a lot of unproductive, a lot of uncreative offense. So looking at Daryl Bevel, you'd look at his offensive coordinator page and you'd go, oh man. This guy that led the offense in points twice uh, was fifth in points another time. Like you, you would say this is a this is a good offensive coordinator, and then you'd go look, and then you'd say actually they ran the ball too much, and the reason that they gained so many yards and scored so many points was that they had prime Russell Wilson. And if you have prime Russell Wilson, a lot of things are just going to kind of work out. I do not think that Matt Stafford is prime Russell Wilson, so. 
back-end quarterback two for fantasy is what Stafford is. You know, if you got him in the Scott Fishbowl really late, you probably feel good. If, you, if you're if you in like a super flex league and he's your third guy, you probably feel good. But uh, a 12-team league, which is what I assume most of you uh, who are listening to this are playing in, Matt Stafford should not really be owned. He would be like a good waiver wire guy. You know, maybe maybe it turns out that uh, Kenny Galladay is just so good and they're throwing the ball down the field more and maybe they don't really miss Golden Tate and Marvin Jones is healthy and Danny Amendola is a, a reliable slot wide receiver. All of this is a possibility. I would not say that it is something that I am expecting. So Stafford is just sort of, he just gets a, a whatever. He gets a shrug from me. Uh, I don't think he makes the team meaningfully worse. Like I don't think Stafford's horrible. But I don't think that he's the sort of guy that we're chasing in fantasy at all. I think what he did last year is sort of an accurate reflection of what he has become uh, at this point in his career. They went 6-10. and 10. He completed 66% of his passes for 3,777 yards, 21 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. Uh, that That's just a very Matt Stafford stat line, and I would not be shocked to see that, uh, to see that run back in 2019. The backup quarterback situation, Tom Savage and David Fales, uh, no real development interest in either one of these guys. I actually kind of liked David Fales coming out of college. I thought that he was an interesting guy, but basically has been horrible uh, every time we've seen him in the in the preseason and kind of in mop-up duty. And uh, we all know Tom Savage is, you know, he's just not a good NFL quarterback. Moving on to the running back situation, the Detroit Lions actually made an interesting move earlier this week with the release of Theoretic, who is been rumored to join both the Saints and the Broncos. Uh, so their running back room now is led by Carrion Johnson, backed up by C.J. Anderson, Zach Zenner, and uh, Ty Johnson, a really interesting player, uh, I believe, out of the University of Maryland. Yeah, he is 5'10", 212 pounds, and was selected with the number 186th overall pick. Uh, a really interesting guy, and we'll, we'll talk more about him in a little bit later because I think that uh, I think that theoretic being gone is is pretty good news for Ty Johnson. So. The release of Carry On John or the release of Theoretic was really good news for Carry On Johnson. I went back into our projections. I definitely bumped up uh, his target share. I bumped up his uh, market share of rush attempts just a little bit. The the chances that Carry On Johnson ends the 2019 season as a workhorse running back are now pretty good. So like if you just went and looked at fantasy football ADP. For uh, for running backs in 2019, you'd go okay. There's there's the five running backs that we know who are very clearly workhorses, and you'd say okay, Le'Veon probably is. Connor might be in a little bit of split, but he probably is. Mixon. Gurley is not going to be a workhorse back, it seems. They've already talked about the veteran plan. Dalvin Cook seems like he will be. Damian Williams seems like he will be, but he's injured right now. Nick Chubb, we're a little unsure. I think Jones will definitely be in a split, but then you then you get to a range of like, oh, I'd rather have Carrion Johnson than Leonard Fournette. Probably rather have Carrion Johnson than Marlon Mack, just based on touches. Probably rather have Carrion Johnson than Devonta Freeman or Derrick Henry or David Montgomery or Philip Lindsay. So, like, I think we're getting into a range where if you're if you're sitting at the uh, at the two eleven and you take Carrion Johnson, I, I like don't think you're a donk. I I probably would not take him that early because my overall expectations for the Detroit Lions offense are not great. And obviously the biggest thing that's going to impact a running back is going to be team performance. So if the team is not consistently gaining a bunch of yards, not consistently gaining first downs, it's going to be a rough go for the running back. 
However, just the fact that Carrion is going to probably be in there in some games that are not particularly close, you know, maybe they're down 14 points and he's still in there getting receptions. And it's not like it's not like Carrion didn't have receiving work last year. He had 39 targets and 32 receptions, which was good for it was good for fifth best on the team uh, in terms of receptions. So like, it's definitely something to note. Like, it's important to note that uh, actually, you know what? I would say the market is probably a little bit low on Carrion. Like, Carrion is is definitely definitely a better pick than Leonard Fournette and if the Lions are even able to be baseline competent I think he's probably pretty similar to Marlon Mack and Aaron Jones. Mack and Jones have the ceiling way over him because they have the potential to play in good offenses but uh, you know and and carry on is not going to play in a good offense but I am definitely more interested in drafting carry on now than I was before Theo Riddick was cut. Uh, Looking at the other running backs they have here, CJ Anderson to me now is now a legitimate zero RB candidate. Before I kind of was not that interested because, uh, you know, I just thought Theoretic would play a little bit more. I thought Zenner would play a little bit more, but it seems pretty clearly that CJ Anderson will be like the handcuff and he might even you know what I would if we're talking about ways that carry on might not get there CJ Anderson could definitely be like that very annoying goal line back vulture back actually that's like sort of like his perfect role in the NFL anyways so I I would it would not be particularly surprising to me to see him do that yeah if if you just look at if you just look at CJ Anderson's career he's just had he's had uh, 22 touchdowns on only 760 rushes while not averaging uh, you know a great number of yards per carry so I could I could definitely see him being the goal line back over carry on just for whatever reason you know not not I'm not basing this off of any reports or anything I'm just saying this is how NFL teams often make decisions they just they're if, if you're looking of possible ways looking at reasons that your pick is not going to get there they're not going to hit their upper percentile outcome one of them would be that uh that that C.J. Anderson would take away from the upside of Carrion Johnson. Actually, kind of the same way that LeGarrette Blunt did. You know, LeGarrette Blunt would just get all of the short touchdowns, and Carrion Johnson would be left out in the cold. So uh, that, there was a pretty obvious parallel with this team and uh, with this coaching staff, at least the head coach, but not offensive coordinator. Uh, Zach Zenner, you know, uh, routine champion of team preseason. There, there actually could be a reason that uh, he gets on the field this year, which is that maybe C.J. Anderson is not the guy who just smashed all over uh, the playoffs last year, and maybe he just is not super good, uh, especially outside of a Los Angeles Rams system that makes it easier for running backs to be really good. I, w- I would definitely say that Zenner is better than C.J. Anderson and uh, you know, still is a little bit more intriguing. He would be a guy I would probably very— I would like— in dynasty leagues, if he was not on a roster, I'd be putting out like two dollar bids, you know, of a thousand dollars to fab on Zach Center right now, just because there, there's a decent chance he gets on the field this year in like some sort of meaningful way. Uh, finally, in the running back room, Ty Johnson out of Maryland, uh, he had a 9.1 yards per carry uh, at one point in his career at Maryland, but did suffer some injuries and also was sent to the bench for someone named. Anthony McFarland while he was there. So overall, talking about prospects, guys who get sent to the bench for younger players, that's a really bad sign. That's basically a big red alert. However, he did run a 4.4540 and uh, did finish college with seven yards per carry. I would say 
just the fact that he did get sent to the bench at like a smaller school like Maryland, probably not great, but the testing is pretty good. The yards per carry in college is pretty good. Uh, he's like an interesting size, right? 5'10", 212 with a, with a little bit of speed. That's interesting because almost sort of ideal running back size. So someone that I would monitor, but like if you were asking me to choose between Ty Johnson and Zach Zenner for fantasy points over the next two years, I would still probably take Zenner because he has more familiarity with the team. The team chose to bring him back even though they didn't have to and I just have less concerns with Zenner's ability at an NFL level because I've already seen him perform admirably at the NFL level. Moving to the wide receiver room, the outside wide receivers are Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay with Danny Amendola in the slot. I actually think that Jermaine Curse could maybe win that slot job over Danny Amendola. I know that uh, the Lions actually paid Danny Amendola like real money, uh, one year, $4.5 million. That's not, that is not uh, bench warmer money, as they might say. And Jermaine Curse uh, is making significantly less than that, a one year, $1.3 million deal. Uh, also rotational wide receivers, Brandon Powell, Travis Fulgham, Tommy Lee Lewis, Andy Jones. Those are all the guys who I expect to make like legitimate uh, runs at making the roster. I don't think that uh, Jonathan Duhart, Brandon Riley, Tom Kennedy, I don't think that these guys are very likely to make it onto the Lions final roster. But they generally do have to keep a bunch of wide receivers because it seems like their wide receivers always get hurt. So the only Detroit Lions wide receiver who I have drafted in all all of my drafts, all my draft best balls, all my mock drafts, all the FFPC, everything, literally only Kenny Galladay. I'm not interested in Marvin Jones. I'm not interested in Danny Amendola. I'm not interested in Jermaine Curse. not interested in Tommy Lee Lewis, none of these guys. I think Detroit is going to play so slow. I think they are going to run so often. I think they are going to be so ineffective that the only one of these guys who is any good is going to be Kenny Galladay. So he had 119 targets last year in 15 games, but remember Golden Tate played in, uh, I believe, seven of those games. Yeah, seven of those games. And he had five receiving touchdowns and 1,063 yards. I would probably take, I would take the over on all of those numbers. Over 119 targets, over 1,063 yards, over 70 receptions, over five touchdowns. Uh, yeah, so I just I just think that Galladay is just sort of in that range where bad team, good wide receiver, uh, clear number one target. I don't think that Marvin Jones, and I believe in his age 30 season, is going to be uh, age 29 season for Marvin Jones. I don't believe that he is going to just sort of demand that previous volume that he had, especially because with Golden Tate, and Marvin Jones. One of them was interior, one of them was exterior. Now they both are, uh, you, you know, now they're both boundary receivers. Marvin Jones's role is going to be pretty diminished, I think. Uh, I think Danny Amendola or Jermaine Curse or kind of whoever wins that slot job uh, could have a, a decent size role, but one of the big things is that once TJ Hawkinson has figured things out, I think TJ Hawkinson's really going to be the guy getting most of the interior work, and that, you know, I don't know if that will translate to being meaningful for fantasy, but I definitely think that would be the team's plan. So I don't really have much to say about Marvin Jones or Danny Amendola. I don't think these guys like I, Marvin Jones is ADP. Just why would you take Marvin Jones over someone with like actual upside? Like why would you take Marvin Jones over Kenny Stills, who like could be a wide receiver one for his team? Why would you take Marvin Jones over Traquan Smith? I just no. You're not going to win your league with Marvin Jones. I feel I feel pretty confident about that. Uh, moving to the tight end room, TJ Hawkinson, Jesse James, Logan Thomas seem like the three guys who are going to make the roster. 
Jesse James probably could be fantasy viable if Hawkinson misses any time. Logan Thomas is just sort of this like oddity, the former college quarterback turned tight end. Always, always love those guys. Those are guys that I always want to get on my roster in a in Madden Ultimate Team, but uh, not super interested in rostering them in fantasy football. Hawkinson, it's just like yeah, I, I think he's really good uh, in dynasty leagues. I would definitely try and trade for him. Uh, I would definitely try and draft him in my rookie drafts. I, I think he's phenomenal. But the the track record of rookie tight ends, not great. The track record of rookie tight ends in slow offenses that are going to be ground and pound heavy and uh, are not going to score very many points, that it's uh, it, it's worse, right? So Hawkinson is an ADP that just is not great to me. Like I, I would never take TJ Hawkinson over Jack Doyle. And I know that makes me sound like a, a boring guy who just doesn't care about fun because TJ Hawkinson is way more fun than Jack Doyle. But there there was almost no way outside of injury that TJ Hawkinson scores more fantasy points this year than uh, than someone like Jack Doyle or Delaney Walker or Darren Waller or whoever. So that is going to do it for us here on our Detroit Lions fantasy football team preview. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Please, please, please make sure to check out rotoexperts.com and our NFL 365 package. For $39.99, you get our customizable cheat sheets, our uh, up-to-date projections, rankings, dynasty rankings, uh, all of our expert guides, you know, our ultimate guides to winning draft best ball leagues, all sorts of cool stuff, uh, all sorts of premium content. I really think that if you're liking these podcasts, you will really enjoy the website as well.